listening to Chris Talks Cars on Cartoon Channel. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Chris Talks Cars. My name is Chris Gooden, and I am joined, as always, by a man who wants to LS4 swap your LSA, Mr. Brandon Cole. <laughs> kind of the same thing. <laughs> but uh, hey, guys, yeah, I'm back. Um, it's like a front wheel drive conversion, though. Yeah, that sounds pretty terrible. Yeah. For the record, I would not do that. <laughs> uh, it's all conjecture. He thinks he says in uh, our private chat is much different. We'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll post him one day. You guys can see. I, I teach this guy everything. It's, uh, it's kind, kind of a kind of adorable. Um, so big, big week. Uh, it was LS Fest West this weekend, which, yes. uh, was a lot of fun. Saw many LS fours, which kind of made me think about that intro. Um, it was so windy though, that they weren't drag racing. Um, mm. Cletus and James were there. I guess James blew his engine on Friday cause they were working on it all night and it was on a lift, uh, the whole time I was there. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it was it was pretty rough. It was super windy. the The weather was cool. That was nice. Saw some uh, some good off road stuff. A lot of a lot of LS swapped Broncos. Kind of LS swapped everything. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was LS Fest, so I guess that's <laughs> right. kind of silly of me to be surprised. But uh, yeah, it was, it, that was that was insane. I took a lot of somewhat decent pictures. I'm sure Brand will be posting those in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I'm trying to post a little bit every day. But uh yeah, definitely got some good content. Keep it coming. Um our new and improved uh cartoon channel 2.0 is now on uh Instagram, so give us a follow at cartoon channel. Yep, and uh we will have those links in the description below on YouTube and in iTunes and all that. Um trying to get this more of a streamlined focus production instead of being so willy-nilly and that's that's my fault. So uh Brandon's keeping me in line. Keeping it in line, yeah. So, let's kick this off. What we got first going today? So first thing, uh, new thing, we're going to do a segment this week in automotive history. So uh, roughly this week, within a couple days in uh, April in 1921, the first motorcycle police set out on patrol in London. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's a pretty historic moment in motoring and uh, policing, I suppose, is the first non-horseback form of patrol actually they might add bicycles but those aren't you're not going to pursue anybody in a bicycle really it was at this moment that they were able to hide from you so they could like set up stings and yes tickets. they they at that moment even before the advent of uh doppler radar were hiding behind bushes and tagging motorists for going what they felt was too fast yeah yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. The the long dick of the law will get you even before the technologies that are supported. <laughs> I feel like a motorcycle cop almost got me today. Yeah, that pucker moment when you pass him, he's hiding. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but after after I got that sixty over ticket, your boy's a five over and set the cruise control kind of guy. Same. 
Yeah. It's, it doesn't make it any less clenching. Like I'm doing the speed limit and the cop is passing me and I'm still like, Ooh, what am I doing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. Um, although I guess right now is probably not the best time to be slandering our boys in blue. Um, that being said in 1948, the blue oval produced the first new model, the 49 Ford as uh, the first new model post-World War II. And it was the first new model by any of the big three post-World War II. So once again, Ford Motor Company blazing the way. Always, always innovative. Yeah, it's uh, pretty iconic. It's uh, obviously not as iconic as a 55 or any of those, but uh, yeah, still still a beautiful car. Still like very the curvy bootleggery style. It's uh, it's not my personal cup of tea. Like some people get super into that, but uh, I yeah. can appreciate it. Sure, yeah, I can appreciate just about just about anything really. But yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the 40s. Uh, era cars really i think the late 50s and then definitely in the 60s and 70s that was when i really start start liking those body styles yeah this the 70s were a tricky era because like the 60s they're just trying to like figure out the muscle car i feel like and, yeah well uh, late 60s that was like the the epitome of like the muscle car era and then like the yeah. early 70s it carried into it a little bit i think by mid 70s like I guess EPA just hammered them and everything just went like got really crappy. Well, and this is kind of sacrilege as a Ford guy. I wasn't a huge fan of Mustang body styles till, I mean, honestly, probably a, a nice Fox body, like the sixties, the yeah. like the, especially the 64 Mustang and all that. Like I, I, it's historic and I, I love what it represents, but sure. I just don't, I just don't. The little 289 doesn't do it for you. Not so much. And then it's just, I don't know. It's just course, age, I guess. You you don't appreciate it, but of course Shelby got a hold of them though, and he had the uh, GT five hundred and three fifties, and that those are the probably ones that I really like. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I wasn't a big fan of anything to the Fox body aside from these the uh, the Shelby one offs. Yeah, and like this, even the seventy seventy one Mach one, like that's a giant boat. Like it's oh, just. Yeah. Not not my thing, but whatever. Um, in 1987, Chrysler buys Lamborghini, which, as we know, is now owned by the Volkswagen Group. But I I want to say that was, you know, I'm not going to say it because I don't know. I actually Let's didn't see. know that Chrysler bought them. At, on this day in 1987, Chrysler Corporation purchased Lamborghini for an estimated cost of $25 million. Oh my God. So that was you, the, uh, there's that. individual Lamborghinis that cost more than that now. Could you imagine buying the whole Lamborghini Corporation for $25 million? You know, now that you talk about it more, I feel like I did read something on that and I think they were having financial trouble and that's why it went for such a good price. That is, if I'm, if I'm in not fact, the case. Yes, okay. that right. is it. And that that was the first uh, time Lamborghini was sold. Interesting, because it was started in '67. As uh, people may or may not know, 
in the most gangster way possible. Um, so Lamborghini was a tractor company, an agricultural company. And I forget the exact way it happened, but somehow Ferrari slighted him and said that like, he wasn't good enough to buy his cars or something. And he's like, Oh really? And then he started making sports cars. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, the history's gray on there. We could look it up, but we'll just run off the seat of our pants here. I believe, I believe they actually worked together for a short time. And then, yeah, there's some sort of a feud and Lamborghini was like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. Gotcha. But, uh, but you know, another thing I believe at the time that Chrysler acquired, um, Lamborghini, they Lamborghini had a role in developing the Viper V10. Really? I want to say that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, it would make sense because Lamborghini's got a history with V10s. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I think it, it was really good I mean, at the time. And granted, and, the Viper V10 is probably three times the displacement of any anything Lamborghini built to that point. Hey, that's the brother of a muscle right there. Hell yeah, man. I love it. They probably dodged, probably took the design Lamborghini head and was like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and pump that up about 50% there, friend? Yeah, they probably wanted to make a 5 0. Like, nah. Nah. no. No, <laughs> no, we're going to need at least eight, eight liters. Yeah. <laughs> Now what it ended up being like 8.3 by the time they're done. Yeah. And that was before the, uh, oh man, who's that company that makes those 3000 horsepower ones? Calo. That's before Calo got a hold of them. Callaway. No, not Callaway. Is it Gallo or Calo? It's not Callaway. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's Callaway normally worked with like Corvettes, I believe. I know Hennessy, I think they did a, Calvo, C-A-L-V-O. Okay. Not familiar with them. Yeah, though. So they are, you know who Underground Racing is? Sure. They do all like the 3,000 horsepower Lambos and stuff. Okay. Calvo is that to Vipers. They make like the dry sump, 3,000 horsepower sequential transmission, like just freaking units. Awesome. Yeah, no, they're, they're pretty great. They, uh, they got a couple of videos on 1320. Um, next thing, this will be especially special for you as a fan of, uh, the Evo on this April 22nd in 1870, Mitsubishi was founded with three old steamships. Huh. Yeah. After purchasing, uh, what year is this? 1870. Okay. Damn, they've been around a while. Yep. He, uh, I know that was they were the f- sorry. sorry, became the first Japanese business to offer overseas mail delivery to China. Hmm. Yeah. Seems like they've been involved in just about everything as well. Uh, just, like I mean, it's a, it's a pretty direct line from direct mail delivery to China to the 4G63. I don't, it's pretty direct. Well, they made the, uh, the zeros for World War II as well. Oh, I mean, it's if you know Mitsubishi, you can. There's literally nothing by them you can't buy. Really, like TVs, air conditioners, batteries, yeah, cars, obviously forklifts, like heavy <laughs> machinery, backhoes, excavators, like literally, yeah, I guess com- commercial in trucks. I mean, it is. It's pretty insane. They are in almost every asset of life aspect right. 
<laughs> aspect. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty much involved in everything. So that's no surprise, I suppose, if you really think about it. Yeah. Um, uh, April 21st, 1967 GM produces and guess what number vehicle hmm. in 1967, a million. Oh, I mean, literally a, a hundred times that a <laughs> hundred million. I guess yeah. that's a bad guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. In uh, 1967, Wisco uh, Janesville, Wisconsin earned its place in automotive history when a Nantucket blue Chevy Caprice coupe rolled off the assembly line there, becoming the hundred millionth GM vehicle produced. This nice. Caprice was $3,087 and had a 395 cubic inch V8. That'll do. Hell yeah, hell yeah brother. 395 or 396 this says 395 um you know hmm, interesting as accurate as automotivehistory.org can be taken <laughs> yeah okay uh april 20th which is last week but 2008 danica patrick becomes the first woman to win an indycar race oh yeah i've always been a danica patrick fan she's uh Made a lot of uh, a lot of debuts in many different types of racing, like NASCAR as well. Yeah, and if you haven't seen the uh, Adam Carolla documentary uh, Uppity, it's about uh, I just forgot the race car driver's name. Hold on a second. Um, It's about the first black F1 driver, and he's talking about when he's qualifying um, at uh, Willie T. Ribs. Yeah, when he's qualifying at what's the uh, F1 track in Florida? I'm just botching this story completely. Uh, Daytona? Uh, yeah, qualifying at Daytona and like his pit crew had been messing with him and like screwing his car up and uh, he was trying to qualify and he literally took his brake foot and held it on top of his gas foot so he couldn't lift and he's like, I'm either going to qualify for this race or I'm going to die trying. And like yeah. just, yeah, just the freaking set on this guy. I forget how we got off there but yeah i think it's on i think it's on uh netflix if not it's definitely on amazon it is worth a watch yeah i'll check that out oh because danica patrick won the indie race that's how yeah and then on april 18th which is a little bit farther back um but still since we recorded uh the ford gt40 makes its public track debut oh yes Yes, yes, which as we know is very historic. Very historic. Um Driven by Carol Shelby, I believe. I don't uh let's see, let me expand this out here. Made its debut a few weeks earlier at the New York Auto Show. I mean, you watched Ford versus Ferrari, right? Oh, of course, of course. Well, it was Carol Shelby, I believe. It wouldn't would, surprise me that he he was yeah. kind of their guy back then. Yeah, yeah it doesn't say, but uh, I, yeah, that's probably a pretty what safe a, assumption. What about this week in uh, Cartoon Channel history? 
Oh, oh man. Well, that's a depressing week in Cartoon Channel history because no, it's uh, not, I, man. No, this is good. I, I, I just got back. Oh, you're talking about this week right now? Just in general, man. Oh, oh, well, a year ago, I just got back and COVID had shut everything down and I was probably <laughs> putting my trailer up for sale. So, well, next year we'll be able to talk about Cartoon Channel's first bill rebirth, relaunch. Yes. Hell yeah. Oh, um, something that is not in the plan, but I want to talk to you about. I don't know if you noticed in some of the pictures I sent, but Holly has this new double throttle body LS intake and it looks freaking sweet. <laughs> I don't know how practical it is. Like, cause now I feel like you're just increasing your cost by having to run two throttle bodies but it looks pretty sweet. So I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of those running around uh, for LS, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't put it on coyotes and everything else, but yeah, it's, it's uh, it's like, um, so imagine a long runner intake and mm -hmm. four, four runners come up and curve out so like the left bank comes up and curves to the right and then it's got like a plenum and a throttle body and then if you threaded the other four cylinders through the fingers of that the other side of the intake uh, and curved it over it's got like yeah. another plenum and a throttle I, body i believe that's like a cross plane intake or something like that well it's it's not i mean yes and no maybe but it's not they don't ever come together like there's yeah. no even a cross plane intake has one throttle body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I know what you're talking about. The, these never cross. It's basically like two four cylinder intakes. Yeah. I don't know what the benefit is, but it sure looked cool. Hey, that's the benefit looking cool, right? That's true. Um, so that's it for this week in automotive history. What, uh, what do we have next, sir? Well, Some EV updates. I well, I wanted to talk about Cartoon Channel's new project vehicle. Ooh, yes, the uh, Project Roll Coal. Yes, Project Hashtag Roll Coal, R-O-L-E-C-O-L-E. -E. <laughs> hashtag spell, Roll Coal. If you spell it right, you're wrong. Okay. Spell it right, so, you're wrong. <laughs> project Roll Coal is now um, in full swing. It is a bone stock uh, 2003 Ram 2500. Um, I've got, I've just got some basic stuff posted on uh, cartoon channel. Um, and I'll be, I'll be updating it as it goes along. So it's just, just now gotten its gauges. It's got, uh, it's got a, a built transmission in it and it'll be getting, just beginning. It was a, a fun surprise. You didn't know yeah. when you bought it. Yeah. It's actually a really, really good surprise. Uh, I bought it from a dealer that bought it on auction. So he knew nothing about it. All I had was the Carfax on it, which can still be pretty vague. So I popped it open underneath and, you know, I could see, you know, what's going on there and, and, uh, had some, had some nice parts in there and the, I don't know about the engine, if it's been rebuilt or not, but everything runs exceptionally well. I just took it on a 740 mile trip down to central Texas, pulling my camper. It did, it did really well for an old truck. Uh, it didn't give me any problems, uh, except in downtown Fredericksburg. Luckily I wasn't towing or anything. <laughs> that truck just shut off completely. No, oh, no. And, in the middle of the road. And I'm like, uh Oh, my wife's sort of freaking out. And, and so I, I, I put it in park and, uh, 
started back up, fired right back up. I'm like, okay. So I get, I turned the, turn the corner, shuts off again. I was like, Oh no, hmm. but there's like no power, no nothing. Like, like all electronics are off. So I get up under there and I grabbed the uh, power cable, uh, battery wire and, uh, it just, everything came back to life. So it's just got a, uh, uh, a battery cable that's uh, got a short in it and uh, I got to get it replaced. So other than that, yeah, it's, it's ran really well and it, it had a handful of problems. Uh, brakes were soft and everything I've done, everything, every, all the problems with it have been fixed either for free or very cheap. I had to replace almost all the light bulbs. They're just burned out and that cost me about $40 and everything else has just been general maintenance and, and things like that, getting it going. The tack didn't work, but I, I Googled that and turned out to be a pretty common problem that you can fix for free. So if you have a, a, a third generation Ram truck, whether it's a gas or a diesel, it's the same thing. If it has a problem, send us an inbox because I can help you get that fixed for free or rather than take it into a shop and paying them hundreds of dollars. Yeah. That's uh that's always the goal is to get it fixed on the cheap, cheap. Yeah. So, so far it's been cheap and free uh, repairs for it. And it's been an excellent truck that I bought really cheap. So, um, and I'm going to continue to throw pretty much cheap stuff at it. It's going to get turbos, but it's not going to be your high end precision turbos. And it's, it's, it's going to get, it's going to get the works, but everything's pretty much going to be on the down low. But you know, this isn't my first time with a Cummins, So I pretty much know my way around it fairly well. And um, everything's gonna should flow together really well. And it's going to be a fairly powerful, fun daily driver and towing rig, um, for us to enjoy and, uh, hopefully tow some race cars around once Chris gets to Texas. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so you said turbos, you go on twins, you going well, for the trifecta. What are we doing here? So I've got my eye on a six still. So the, 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 uh, the truck comes with a factory, I believe it's like a 54, it might be a 56 millimeter turbo. Uh, it's the HE341 on the early uh, Cummins or 03. Um, so there's, I'm, I have my eye on a 62 mil, millimeter turbo and um, I'm probably going to start with that, see how I like it. And that's really good to like the mid range 500 horsepower area. Um, at you the know, wheels. just, just casual, just casual five hours. <laughs> yeah. Down. Yeah. And, and that's, that's probably over a thousand computer torque as well, or right around it anyways. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to do that first. And then if I feel like I need more air, then, you know, we, uh, it might get a, a second turbo and we'll see how it goes. Right on. Well, I eagerly await the updates on that. Um, also, Brandon's been posting quite a bit on the new Instagram, so make sure you guys give him a follow. Um, there are some electronic or electric vehicle updates, aren't there? Yeah, I'll take this. Um, so, um, you know, I've been kind of on the fence a lot of, uh, about a lot of this electrical stuff. Like, it's kind of exciting, but at the same time, there's a lot of speed bumps that everybody's trying to overcome. And I think one of the big things is that like, you know, in theory, it's like, I don't have to buy gas anymore. Right. And so right. you're like, okay, I'm just electric, you know, you plug it into your house. It's fairly cheap. Right. But you know, you're not always at home to plug in and you know, you just go, you're at the, at the grocery store or wherever doing your shopping, you plug into one of these superchargers that are out there and, 
that costs money. And, uh, and I, I didn't really know much about it. And so, and I, I still honestly don't know that much about it, but just reading this, this article here, just trying to get a uh, brushed up on the news on it. And they're basically saying like, I believe it's, uh, this is, a. Uh, a Ford pass charging network. I think, you know, Tesla's got their own stuff too, but I believe right. about the same, I think the Teslas are free to use. Well, I know that they have like some sort of, uh, um, yeah, if you, if you, if you bought the Tesla, you get some sort of membership with it. I don't know the real details on it, but they're not everywhere. So you, right. sometimes you just got to take what you can get where you're at. Um, right. And so some of these things are saying like, you know, um, this char- this certain charging spot they paid thirteen dollars and twenty nine cents um, for approximately eighty three miles of range um, on their charge, and you know saying um, and wait that took them from forty four percent to just above eighty percent charge, and uh, trying to compare it to a gasoline engine, assuming you get roughly twenty five miles per gallon at three dollars per gallon of gas you get approximately 112 miles of range. Um, and like you were saying earlier, um, before we started recording that, uh, you know, that's pretty relative. Cause like here in, in uh, the DFW and uh, Texas area, gas is closer to $2 and 50 cents a gallon. And, you know, today I went and filled up for, I believe like $3 and 45 cents a gallon. And so in some areas where you're at, you know, it's well over $3. So, yeah. Um, you know, I guess it's all relative to where you're at, but I guess power can be a little bit different too, but it seems that unless you're charging at home or you have one of those like Tesla memberships where they're charging for free, which in, in my eyes doesn't seem really sustainable if they have hundreds of thousands of cars on the road, but yeah. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if this is like an initial selling point for it, but I, I feel like that can't last forever. It just can't. Um, they're going to have to start charging to charge your vehicle at some point in time. But it right. seems like, it seems like right now, unless you have one of those, uh, memberships, you're actually paying more per mile, uh, in some cases, but not all. Right. And depending on where you live and how you're getting your power, like it may be more harmful to the environment than, uh, just driving a gas vehicle. Like, uh, the Northeast, for example, is pretty, uh, like coal and oil reliant. So, I mean, relatively dirty energy versus the Northwest Seattle area where it's, you know, a lot of wind and, uh, sustained hydroelectric, a lot of like renewable energy. So, I mean, it's all, it's all unfortunately being dug out of the ground by, children in Africa. So it's all, <laughs> it all comes with a pretty, pretty high cost, like no matter yeah. how you look at it, but yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's such a sticky situation. Cause it's like, I feel like it's like veganism. There's some people that are, that do it just so they can like throw it in your face, like the, the morality yeah. of it. And, right. uh, some people do it because they, they honestly feel that it's better for the environment and stuff. But it, I mean, it just, it gets sticky. I don't, I don't really yeah. remember where I was going with that. Well, in, in, in further this, you know, this article does say, you know, it, it, the EV stuff is still pretty new. So, and there's not a lot of charging stations. They're saying it's like, it's way underperforming and like, 
delivering power stations throughout the the nation. And I don't even know what it's like for the rest of the world, but I, I do know that here where I live and, and on, on this 700 mile road trip, I just took, I don't remember seeing any charging stations. And I'm normally pretty aware of my surroundings when it comes to anything car related. And, uh, yeah. you know, I didn't see any, I also did not see any electric vehicles, which basically is just Tesla's right now on the road, uh, on this car, on this road trip, you know, and this is like out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Um, right. You can't, you can't do it. I mean, unless you have a full charge and you know exactly where you're going, you go straight to that destination, say that you can charge up again to get to the next spot. You're just taking too big of a risk and hoping that you can do it. And, and in, in this article as well, um, they're, they're talking about how Tesla is, uh, you know, they're, they're saying you get X amount of range on a charge, but in, in actual testing, it's, it's delivering less range than they're, they're saying, but in other cases like Porsche, they tested their new EVs and they're actually getting more range out of them. So, um, yeah, I think, I think Tesla is, uh, kind of under, under delivering right now. And a lot of these other guys, maybe they took a little longer to come out, but, uh, it's, it's a little more refined, I think. Yeah, that's that's the problem with being a trailblazer, you know, is you're you're the one out front making all the mistakes. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm not to say that Tesla couldn't be doing better or whatever. I don't fucking know, but you know, I just it's my my nature to play devil's advocate, no matter if I agree with the point or not. Sure. Um the next thing we have, and then we'll get out of here, was uh, my stoner question of the week while I was watching a YouTube video. Um, I was thinking about straight sixes and how RBs rev to the moon and 2Js, and they sound so awesome. But then, like, Cummins, they redline at, what, 3? 35? Uh, yeah, th- uh, 32 for majority of them, I believe. Is yeah, so, and then I was thinking what like what prevents them from revving that high yeah because because they're both i mean they're both obviously they ignite differently but it's still a straight six configuration yeah i mean granted well, most uh the two j's and everything are half the displacement of a cummins but right. i didn't think that alone should prevent it from well like when a you third have- of the revs when you had originally asked that, you know, I, I kind of, I think I initially overthought it and I was like, well, you know, the biggest thing to make these things go and get power with extremely high, um, uh, you know, fuel rail pressure, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of, uh, uh, injection pump to, to make all this power to deliver to the engine. So I was thinking maybe it's just being able to deliver enough pressure to the fuel system to make it continue to rev and continue to fuel it to higher RPMs. But, but then, you know, I think there's maybe not just that to take into account, like we were reading, reading a minute ago about the, uh, the longer strokes. So typically um, throughout history on, on any engine, longer stroke engines typically struggle to accomplish higher RPMs as opposed right. to something similar with a shorter stroke engine. So um, I think there's a lot of things holding it back, but Ultimately, I think they still can um, rev fairly high. Uh, maybe they're just not not going to be quite as efficient up high. Um, and and the diesel fuel does tend to burn a bit slower and more controlled than gasoline as well. Mm, yeah. Um, just in a quick Google 
in doing the show that uh, they're saying typically diesels do have a longer stroke, which uh, again is a struggle for RPMs like uh, F1 cars, for example, to go back to that, they have, they rev to like 13,000 RPMs, but they have this crazy tiny stroke. It's this big pancake piston that moves a very short distance. And that's what they have nitrogen filled valve springs and all this other craziness. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was our thought, our thought for the week. Uh, you got anything else before we get out of here? I believe that'll, that'll do for today. All right, everybody. We're trying this new shorter format. So every, every episode is more action packed, but, uh, don't forget to like, and subscribe. Uh, we will post the links to all the social media and whatnot in the description below, but, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.